Well, hello there. Welcome and thank you for listening to this audio. You are listening to Passion Harvest. I'm Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. I'm so excited to be joining you today. Thank you for listening and making me a part of whatever you are doing now. Passion Harvest makes magic. We are inspired to do it, manifest it. Every day we aim to engage, inspire, and develop the human spirit with passion. In this episode, I am so honored to speak with the one and only Tony Childs. If you don't already know who she is, Tony is an American Australian singer and songwriter, Emmy winner, and three time Grammy nominated recording artist. Known for her powerful voice, inspiring independent spirit, and crafted storytelling. In fact, speaking with her for this interview, I visualized her to be a warrior goddess. Over Tony's incredible career, she has opened for Bob Dylan and performed duets with greats such as Al Green and Peter Gabriel. She has toured the world over, gaining a much-loved fan base. Aside from music, Tony is absolutely passionate about bees and beekeepers, who she calls the real rock stars on the planet. Tony is an advocate to promote the survival of endangered pollinators, who not only give us honey, but are also responsible for the essential pollination of crops, including fruit, vegetables, nuts, and timber tree species. Tony has embarked on a beekeeping movement to actively promote and celebrate the longevity of the pollinators and our planet for many years to come. This is her story, and this is is her passion. Tony, thank you so much for coming on Passion Harvest. We're so honored to have you on the show today. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you for um, inviting me. I know you have a special passion for bees and pollinators in general. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that and how you're living that passion? Well, I think that it's got to start with uh, having empathy for the bee and what's happening to the bee on the planet. And the, the uh, compromise of the bee's immune system. In 1997, I was diagnosed with Graves' disease, a hyperthyroid condition that would take more than a decade out of my life. And, and in the process, in this, in this decade off, at the beginning, it took me about two years before I realized that I, environmental impact had created the symptoms of Graves' disease. Wow. And I, because I had mercury poisoning from my drinking water, I was allergic to chlorine, I would find out in a very extensive blood allergen test, and that also that I um, was allergic to sulfates and toothpaste and shampoos and detergents. And so it would turn out like this cocktail of, um, of, uh, you know, poison elements like mercury and synthetic chemicals had contributed to depressing my immune system. And, um, and so when I realized what had happened to me, that it was environmental impact, we did a, a, a hair analysis. I found out I had high levels of mercury. My father-in-law at the time was like, well, I don't really believe in hair analysis. Let's get a blood test. And I had seven parts of mercury floating in my blood. And then we went down the road of having this very, uh, very extensive blood allergen test. And it was a real eye-opener and an education. But once I was able to really understand that I did have environmental impact and I began to chelate what was in my body out of my body, 
I was then able to, I no longer have Graves' disease. I'm no longer on medication. The doctors were only looking at the symptoms and wanting to suppress the symptoms with medication or have my thyroid taken out or removed, yet removed or, or nuked, right? They wanted uh-huh. to kill it in some way. I had the wisdom to not allow that to happen. And I'm very pleased that something inside of me said no. And I listened. And so I no longer have Graves' disease. I don't take any medication. And I was able to write my boat of illness. And I can see that there is a perfect storm that's happening with our bees and our pollinators. I wanted to find out what the beekeepers, who are the first line of defense, what they think and what their concerns are about the bee. So in, before, before I get to that, I, I was inspired to devise a 3D mapping show, two hours of animation and a lot of high-tech audience engagement, all to inspire people to support the bee, back the bee, to make the bee a protected species. Because if we protect the bee, then we protect all the other pollinators. And so I devised two hours of animation, a lot of high-tech audience engagement, to thank the bee and the pollinators on the planet for the millenniums of, of life they've given us and to celebrate who they are in a really fun, playful, dynamic way. When you come to It's All a Beautiful Noise, which will tour here in Australia in 2021, you'll be given one of six masks uh, of pollinators. And each mask is addressed to an LED light that I control from the stage. On the inside of the mask is a URL where I invite audience members at the end of the show to go on a treasure hunt. And at the end of that treasure hunt, they're invited to send their mask to a physical location where all the masks are put into one giant public installation, making a big, beautiful noise for their pollinators. And so... Really, we're all pollinators. What we buy, we grow. Mm. Where we put our intention, we can win. We're so intelligent. However, we also have the intelligence to understand when we've gone too far. But we may be at a point where we're kind of like the rat in the laboratory who has got, you know, this electro connected to his, uh, his sexual receptor sites. But in our case, it's, a, it's some sort of electro that's connected to our desire for money. And we're choosing money over food, <laughs> literally. And we need to do something about it. And so on this journey, I felt like I, wanna, I want to connect with the local beekeepers here. I want to inter- start interviewing beekeepers, see what they have to say. In doing that, I met a woman named Elsa Whitaker here in Australia, in Brisbane. Her father was a biosecurity officer for many years in Brisbane uh, for Queensland. And he was also president of the Beekeepers Association there. And for many years, she was a secretary of the Beekeepers Association when I met her a few years ago, a couple of years ago, and had been the secretary for five years. We got together and created a beekeeper survey where we could unite the beekeepers and the survey is for the actual beekeepers. Since they're the first line of defense, it would be really good for them to understand what are all the concerns of all the beekeepers, who are the beekeepers that make up Australia, and understanding as shining a light and saying, you guys are the real rock stars right now on planet Earth. This is your moment, your moment to stand and advocate for the bee, and you guys decide 
what is the right thing to do going forward? And I'm right now on a retrospective tour of Australia, and I'm pollinating uh, all of these rock star beekeepers and photographing them and creating a book and, and sharing uh, our uh, survey with them and gathering forces, I guess you could say, um, so we could present in Tamworth in 2020 next year. How wonderful. So you're the bee advocate. <laughs> I al- am. <laughs> I advocate for the bee. It's almost like you're creating this incredible database about all things bees that has never been done before. Well, yes, and I'm hoping that we can see from doing it here in Australia. This is my hope that, you know, the beekeepers are all very individualistic, right? They've, they're, some of them are generations. Some, some of them are real loners, and they're not, they don't really are able to agree on a lot. But if we can actually bring together what is the uniting factors and what are important and what is important at the heart of everything, and I don't know, I seem to be able to communicate some of the things where it's the rubber hits the road and bringing that fair dinkum you know, practicality here to just what are we going to leave behind? What needs to really happen now? And the changes and the influence they have with farmers and across the board, you know, to bring and unite the farmers and the beekeepers together to really work in this effort. And so I believe in us and I believe in them. And 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 I love it because I'm talking to beekeepers who are also bee brokers that all basically – booking a hundred and something hives into the almond groves for this year, right? And, uh, or for the next year and all of that. And he, he's on side. So we have backyard beekeepers and very big pollinators, you know, who are really um, coming to invade uh, and to invest it, uh, into this, uh, to help get the word out with the, with the survey and really seeing the value of doing this at this time. And if we can do that here, we, could, we can mirror that and bring this to the U.S., to Canada, and to some of the other countries that are really, we need to kind of step up now. And I think the littlest angels on the planet may be the real uniting force for us all. Yeah. My gosh, you're so passionate about this. It's wonderful and such an incredible cause. For someone who doesn't know much about bees, that's me, myself, and potentially the listeners, the decline of the bees is due to chemical products. Is that correct? It's a combination. So, yes. So they found out that uh, nonectocides and uh, uh, glyphosate have contributed scientifically. We've, they've got bans in Europe now for three chemicals. Uh, France has taken on some stuff. We've now got certain products like Roundup that are being banned in Los Angeles, in Florida, and different states are starting to do it. They're starting to get some hip to the beat here that these chemicals are suppressing the immune system of the bee. And it's getting into our food supply. And so it's systemic. It's not like pesticide, herbicide, uh, fungicide, all of these things that are that are stacked one on top of each other and they're being mixed together and it's just creating this toxin this really bad cocktail and then let's take monocropping right yeah, so if you're not just thinking if there's of not that, enough yeah. right so then that not giving enough biodiversity and if we're killing all the weeds well those weeds that we think are weeds actually 
their immune system, right? That adds to them in ways that we don't understand. And then if you understand, so you're taking that, those two things, and now look at the way that we're the artificial insemination and, and working with the bees in that way and creating new key, uh, uh, queens genetically. So there's a few different areas, and, and I think what's really wonderful with the beekeeper survey, it gives people an opportunity to understand collectively as beekeepers their real concerns, what knowledge they do have, what knowledge they're lacking, all of these kinds of things, and what is the real science that's out there right now presently. You have a lot of fake news, and, you know, mm. Trump coined it, but it is true. And the thing is, is that um, we do need to actually activate our intelligence and to really dig deeper than we've ever been asked to do before. And I, that's what I'm really asking of the beekeeper. But all of us, not just the beekeeper, we need to really start to understand where we're getting our news from, what we can count on is actually being truthful and factual, instead of spinning something for a particular company or someone manipulating a situation to drive sales. And it's great. I mean, you know, someone such as yourself who does have that public presence to be an advocate to, you know, just for the common person to understand about bees. I mean, most people, you know, know that bees are pollinators, but they don't really give it much more thought than that. Well, the advent of Facebook, I think, and all the Facebook posts, I think people are really starting to see it now because I'm, I'm touring and I'm talking about this in my concerts and I'm getting feedback that the audiences are understanding the two, right? And, mm. and so it seems like there, it might be the perfect tipping point that we're coming to. By the time it's all beautiful noise tours in 2021, it might be just at that right point where we can really create a beautiful, inspirational embracing of the bee and all things pollinating and pollinators and create a real public support for the real hard work that the beekeepers in their discovery will need to do to bring to bear on government practices and, and the way pesticides and herbicides are tested in this country because that's in Australia, I found out from the beekeepers that they don't actually test them in the way that they did previously. Certain practices have been gone to the, been pushed aside that actually were protecting the farmer and protecting the bees. And so they're going to advocate for some of these things. And there's going to be some heat there. But if there's good public support for the bee that's just coming in where we're all just kind of focused on the bee, then real change can happen, um, I think, for all of us. And I think that energy, in a good way, in a really positive, not in a downer way, I'm not, my show is so positive. And I think anybody just focusing on the bee and what the bee does and all that, families, it's family friendly, it's, it's just spirit friendly, right? Our, our ancestors survived. I mean, for us to be, for me to talk to you right now and you to talk to me right now, it's kind of a miracle, really. You know, when you think about it, our ancestors actually survived millenniums of brutality and we're here. So we don't need to do that. We don't even need to look at there. We just need to remember how intelligent we are and let's just focus and do the right thing, the fair dinkum thing to do. And that's, that's really an Australian thing. And, you know, and, it, and it also it's an overall approach of being mindful and I think there's a greater awareness of the environment in general, the ecosystem, our ecology, nature. I think the whole world, and again, as you said, through social media or the way we, in which we communicate, people are becoming more aware. that it, Well, that's right. And when you have young kids, young kids actually saying, wait a minute, we're the ones coming up 
and they're right. And But the thing is, that's why I'm saying, I think a perfect storm is coming for something that's really going to switch us on. And I'd rather it switch us on now than us being desperate to actually figure it out. And if we're smart, that's what we'll do. And I do trust that. We're, we're survivors, and we've made it this far. Now we're just, life itself is talking to us. Are we listening? And it's, I'm listening. You sure are. <laughs> <laughs> and I think a lot of people can hear you loud and clear, and you're doing such a wonderful job. Oh, thank you. That's just amazing. And I just wanted to briefly touch on your retrospective tour that you're on at the moment. We're now, I'm now in Adelaide, and um, I'm heading to Red Bark uh, tomorrow for tomorrow night's show. And we've got three shows here in uh, South Australia, and then we head to Western Australia and go all the way, kind of start in Kalgoorlie and go around Esperance and Albany, Mandura and Bunbury, and then we head up to Carnarvon. I've never even never heard of it. it. <laughs> You've certainly yes, traveled more of Australia Carata, than I have. <laughs> and then Port, and Port Hedland. And then we drive up through the Kimberleys to Darwin. We're going to go and see. We're going to go and while we're touring, we're going to up there. We're going to swim with whale sharks. We're going to go to Monkey Mire and, and swim with the dolphins. And then we're going to go up and see those 60,000-year-old cave paintings that are up in the Kimberleys. And then head to Darwin. And then come down the center and back into um, South Australia, then to Victoria, and then to Queensland how, and home. How incredible. And do you, I mean, what is touring like? How do you find it? It sounds glamorous. I don't know. Is it? Yeah, no, it's not very glamorous. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> not doing, not, when, you know, look, this is a roll up your sleeves tour. This, I wanted to celebrate. I've done a Nook, Nook and Crannies tour of Australia, 2010 it was. was the last big three-month tour like this. And... And I really liked it because it was exciting to me. I'd not seen Australia and all of that. Now I'm going back to some of the places that I've been to before. And it's almost 10 years on. But this one feels very purposeful for me. I mean, there's several reasons. First of all, it's the first year of my touring company to run. And we're celebrating. It's all a beautiful. I mean, we're celebrating uh, Union, 30-year anniversary. And so it's kind of launching my touring company. But also, too, the profits from this tour pay for for It's All a Beautiful Noise, the two hours of animation and the high-tech audience and great engagement, all of that. And also, it gives me a way to really pollinate with all the beekeepers. So there's a few dimensions that's going on with this tour that to really work it as extensively as you can mm. to make the most out of your time on the ground, right? Absolutely, and certainly connecting with all the, the beekeepers around regional Australia. That's right. That's absolutely right. And through them, connecting through their networks, right, and then reaching out so we can have a really successful and really quite pointed discussions about the different areas in that survey. And, you know, the real natural leaders within the beekeeper community that have something to say but have never been felt that they had a position to actually say something. Yeah, or never had the motivation or I guess don't have the platform that you do to express your passion for the bees. And I think together, that's right. So when you come to my show in 2021, when you walk out... I will be. I will be coming. I love your music. (laughs) Great, great. The local beekeepers will be in the in the in the theater, and you'll get a chance to really because that's who I really all of it is to shine a light on them and the importance that the important part they play. Absolutely fantastic. I mean, it's just such a a journey that you're on. Definitely a it wonderful is. journey. It really is. I, I'm going to say thank you on behalf journey. of the bees. <laughs> 
<laughs> and thank you on behalf of our world for, you know, doing your part to save our environment and our world for the future generations. Yeah. Let's go for thousands of years into the future that everything's good. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, it's been so wonderful to have you on the show. I guess my last question to you would be for our listeners. If someone's looking to find their passion, what could you recommend for them? Or to follow their passion or to live their passion? Any words of wisdom? Well, I just feel like, you know, if you want to do something and then you're instantly going, well, I don't see, I don't have the money, I don't have this or I don't have that. Don't pay attention to that. Pay attention to the fact that you want to go, you really like to do that, and then go towards it. And that's when the magic starts happening. That's when the doors start happening. And it doesn't mean that it's easy, that suddenly every door is going to burst open and it's just going to be this cakewalk. No. You have to keep going regardless that there's a pushback. You need that pushback to develop like a butterfly, you know, to push that blood into the, into the arteries of the wing so then you can fly. And without that, it's not easy but it challenges you to be more intelligent, to actually bear it and keep going and not lose faith. And if you do that and go towards what you love, it will either, it'll either show you the next step that you need to make or the next step that you need to make that's bringing you towards that. And even when it feels like it take, you've gone way backwards, you haven't. It's given you that opportunity to see now where you need to go because you needed to learn that little piece. Go and get that little nugget. It's like, and then bring it back because now you've got that shit inside of you and you're building and building and building a superhero power. The only way you get it is by believing in yourself and trusting no matter what it looks like, you're going to want to have that experience. I, I, <laughs> That's what that, I think. No, I love it. It's so beautiful. I mean, I'm just hearing your voice and you remind me of like some warrior goddess talking. <laughs> but then you may, then then I heard the word superhero and I thought maybe you're the B superhero. <laughs> Aside from other things, of course. <laughs> well, we all have a we all have that part of us, right? Yes. You certainly know, like there was something that you wanted in your desire, and then and you met opposition to it. Of but course. it was, it, but that opposition tested whether your your salt that you really did want it. Yes, and you explained it so beautifully. So thank you so much for for that. I really appreciate it. <laughs> well, lovely to talk to you. I really, really am. Thank you, Tony. And have a really lovely rest of the night. And yes, and good luck with the rest of your tour and meeting all the beekeepers and the beekeepers breakfast. And I will put all the links in the show notes for everyone to do research and find you and connect with you. Fantastic, fantastic. Thank you so yeah, much. And there's any beekeepers out there that's very nice. Yes, yeah. please connect Aloha. with you. Thank you so much. Thank you, baby. Bye. Right. Aloha. Aloha. <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you would like to know more, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Passion Harvest. We would love to hear from you. Tell us how you are living your passions. Please subscribe to our podcast and share with a friend who may be inspired to develop their passion. And remember, follow, harvest and live your passion today.